0: I woke up a bit late because I stayed awake a bit late. Handy. Uh, I ate a pie. <laughs> okay. And then I did, and then I did my work at that time in the morning. Yeah, I just had a pie for breakfast because it was a, there was a pie <laughs> in the fridge and I was like, oh, I a pie. <laughs> are, we, are we talking sweet, savory? No, savory, like a meat pie. Okay. <laughs> steak steak pie of some kind. Aye. I'm not sure I feel about that. Yeah, exactly. This is a. Discussion I've had with a lot of people, almost every good food is a really good breakfast food. And far better than like a bowl of cereal. I disagree. Maybe less healthy, but like a good a good bowl of soup. Oh boy, you're off to a, you're off to a good day. I would never have a burger for breakfast. Have you ever had a burger for breakfast? <laughs> I have not. Right. Well, you should have it and then see how you feel. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah. The one I was talking about with someone recently was uh, if you ever make spaghetti and you got leftover spaghettis, blast that on top of your toast and have it for breakfast. Really? Like heat it up, not cold spaghetti. Um, <laughs> not of course. It's so good, so good. So many, of, so many of the good, like, dinner foods and lunch foods make for a good breakfast, just like so many of the good breakfast foods make for a good lunch or a good dinner. Just change things up, live a little. We're in a pandemic, you might as well have a pie for breakfast. <laughs> it's almost as if, James. You can eat food at any time of day, yeah. regardless of when you're meant to have it. Yeah, it's almost like we've got this weird hang-up on, like, tradition or something strange. <laughs> Is this just what's happened now that you're living solo? The rains are off. And you're just living free. I eat pies for breakfast quite often. <laughs> okay. If I've just got food, I'll just, I'll just have whichever one I f- most feel like in that moment. Which means that sometimes I'm having my little parfaits for lunch and things like that instead of breakfast. Parfait. Yeah. I don't like milk, so you've got to be creative with your uh, okay. breakfast uh, s- substitutions. I was watching a video this week
1: actually about which milk is best. You know, after the whole <laughs> David Amber thing. Goat's milk? Uh, no, I actually said oat. Oat milk is the oh, best. was close.
0: I was real close.
1: <laughs> you just Yeah, you just had that extra G. was stuck in your yeah. uh, your throat at that point. It was actually because in comparison to the likes of uh, soy milk, which actually takes up loads of farmland, right, yeah. and uh, dairy, which obviously has the amount of cows and land needed to make a glass oh, of yeah. milk.
0: Mad, mad, madness, yeah.
1: And there was another one, uh, almond milk, which I think had...
0: Of course. Uh, you, you need to go through a lot of water or, or something similar to make oh, almond, almond milk. Yeah. Yeah, almonds almonds are thirsty little beasts. Okay. That's California's problem. They, they like they're growing their almonds there now and it's taking up too much of their water. Uh, and so they said
1: that actually in terms of what's best for the environment and what's also good for you, oat milk is
0: a winner. Which I thought was very interesting. Oat milk is the most efficient milk. Some would say oat milk is the goat milk. <laughs> you could yes, James, you could say. Yeah. Oat is the goat. I'll be honest. Of all of the of all of the milks, oat milk is the most palatable to me, and especially because it leaves that really? pleasant sort of like dessert flavor after you've finished whatever you're having. You've still got that sweet oaty oaty flavor of a of a good oat crumble or a, or a or a really
1: well made porridge. I'll be honest, I I'm struggling to remember the last time I actually had oat milk. But having seen the video and having had David Attenborough tell me to be a better person, I will start buying oat milk. There we go.
0: Bankrupt big cow. Bankrupt big milk.
1: <laughs> yeah, welcome to Seesaw uh, Parade, where we talk about which milk is best and if we should have pies for breakfast. I'm Colin and he's James. And
0: I really did mean to say bankrupt, not boycott, okay. just to be specific.
1: Uh, once again, he is James. Yeah, bankrupt me. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's it's easy, you can already bankrupt me. I got a, a bill this morning for 1,500 quid Ooh. to fix my roof, which is oh boy. disgusting, but it turns out that actually... It's shared by the other apartment, so my rage was was
0: quickly quelled. Oh, communal. in, yeah. Like ah, oh wait, divide by a few. Okay, all right.
1: And have you been enjoying this past week of uh, seldom living in the flat?
0: Oh, my goodness, I haven't had to put the bin out yet. <laughs> Genuinely, it's one of the highlights because the bin used to have to go out every three days. Really? Yeah. I, what was he going through? Well, lots of takeout food. Um, lots of takeout food no longer gets eaten here. Okay, there right. There used to be loads of takeout consumption, and then they, they, and they, it's all delivery, so it comes in bags, in bags, in bags, like three meals a day. If bin was going, out we had a big bin, 40, 40 liter bin or something. <sighs> It was going out every three days. I was raging, having to put the bin out that often. When I all I know that I'm just putting like four eggshells in there, and that's it. <laughs> and um, the remnants of a pie. Yeah.
1: Anyway, welcome to Cease Operate, the the show where uh, myself and James will recap the big stories of the week. We're also the longest running season one entertainment podcast in Scotland, hosted by two people in their twenties living in Glasgow. So thank you very much yes. for listening. Really do appreciate it. You can get in touch with the show at cease Operate on Twitter and on Facebook, which I don't really check, and also Gmail, which... Wait, oh yeah, Facebook! We do have a Facebook, yeah, we do, but no one ever uses it. I don't don't even think I use it. I don't like it. I don't support Facebook. (laughs) Right, we're going to get rid of Facebook, so just Twitter and Gmail. (laughs) We're actually going to delete the whole thing. So (laughs) say goodbye to all your family chats. Absolutely, yeah. Just Twitter and Gmail. And uh, who knows, give it, a, give it 18 months, perhaps Twitter will be no longer as well
0: because all the uh, right-wing people have flocked to parlor. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter's cancelled one too many right-wingers. Oh, They're going to bring the platform down. Okay, well, talking of
1: right-wingers, let's start the show with the last presidential debate ahead of yeah. the
0: US election. <laughs> talking of right-wingers, here's two of them. <laughs> okay.
1: So, James, the election is on November 3rd, which is a week on Tuesday. Oh, man. The time has flown, by. It has. The US President Donald Trump and his challenger, Joe Biden, uh, clashed for one final time. They were arguing about COVID, uh, race relations. They essentially traded corruption allegations with each other, and uh, it seems that it ended on an even keel. Yeah. Most people would say that neither one landed a fatal blow. Despite the fact no fatal blows. That James, I have actually taken up your suggestion of creating an essentially an anonymous account on Twitter which shows me the other side ah. of people's reactions because all I see ah, yes. all I see on my own timeline is people supporting Biden and you know pro Biden coverage and loads of stuff from the Guardian yeah, whereas yeah, of actually Having an insight into what's going on in the the right side of American politics in QN Online, it, it's absolutely insane. Anyway, had that insight, and they were very much like, "Okay, this is a a boom for us. We've won it." Whereas yeah, tr- tr- Trump didn't like crap his pants, therefore he wins. <laughs> and uh, apparently, the Joe Biden crime family was exposed. Uh, but on the left hand side, you had Biden saying, "Oh, you had clips of Biden, you know, zinging Trump. <laughs> oh, apparently, yeah, the
0: zings, yes, yeah, very slowly and stumbling <laughs> over his words." James, what did you think of the uh, debate? Did you see any highlights? Any any presidential debate pre twenty sixteen. This would have gone down as an embarrassment for both people. Correct. Both of their aspirations to be president would have been tanked. Some third party candidate would become the new favorite after a debate like this. Can you? Where you've got, well, can you? Yeah, genuinely. Where you've got Trump saying things like, he takes responsibility for the coronavirus, but it's not his fault. Uh, it's. I can't believe that people think that you can say that and then be considered a winner just because you didn't embarrass yourself. When that really is an embarrassment, and and Biden cannot land a single blow against the world's softest and easiest target. Yeah, uh, it really shows uh, that their, their capacities for discussion and thought are not there. Um, so it's it's bad. It, we can't forgive them just because it's not as bad as we have become used to expecting. It's bad. The thing that struck me, James,
1: was yeah. how poor Joe Biden actually was. Now, I know Aww. that you have been saying this for a long time, but the only real exposure I had to Biden in terms of watching him speak for a long time was when he had prepared remarks, when he was delivering yeah. a speech, when he's reading off uh, an cue. And an take it from experience, anyone can do that. It's very easy. It's,
0: pretty, it's, it's a lot easier to read. All you've got to do is learn how to act a wee bit.
1: It's all in the delivery. you know. Some people can deliver that very well, and some people can just deliver it down pat. And that's essentially, Advocacy, what, yeah. it's essentially what Biden did. However, during this debate, and the first one, I wasn't aware of it, mainly because of how often they were interrupting each other. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the highlights, and I'm using my air quotes again, the highlights was basically Joe calling him a clown and telling him to shut up. Yeah. This one... Because the two of them had time to you know, speak for two minutes uninterrupted, and it was a much more measured debate than the first one, you got to see how Biden was reacting to things that Trump was saying. And when the baton was handed over to him and be like, OK, Mr. Biden, what's your response? And he would attempt to speak for you know, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. And it became painfully, uh, I became painfully aware of the fact that Biden is a very, very poor speaker. Yep, he stumbles over his words constantly. He chooses the wrong words. His the, the quips that he's going for in an attempt to you know land that killer blow just don't work. Yeah, and if you compare him, and again, I'm strictly comparing him here on a delivery slash orator uh, category. Compare him to Obama. Obama's
0: night and day. Oh man, yeah, yeah.
1: Like regardless of uh, his time in office, and what he did. In terms of his delivery, in terms of his uh, qualities as a speaker, Obama was top of the class. He's excellent. He's, he's a fantastic yeah. orator. Biden looks he, he looks older than he actually is. He's, what, 78?
0: He certainly about, he yeah. speaks like someone who's approaching 90. Yeah, who, who's just been let out the care home for one <laughs> final home visit. And it was, as you say,
1: Trump is an easy target. There are so many things. There's too many things, really, yeah. that you could... Pick holes in, or have a, a killer argument, or a, a key message you want to ram
0: ram home, and he, in my book, failed to do that. Yeah, but he doesn't need to. Like this, this should be in any presidential um, race. This should be a killer for both campaigns. They should both be uh, considered illegitimate now. But all Biden has to do is not be, uh, not end up being hated, because unlike Hillary, Biden still isn't hated by the majority of the population. So all he's got to do is nothing. He just has to exist, maybe breathe, you know, (laughs) say a couple words, take his time, and that'll be considered a win. And it was, it was considered a win.
1: So what do you think then, just before we move on, of the stories that have been uh, widespread on the (laughs) right-wing press over the last week about his son, (laughs) Hunter Biden, (laughs) and this laptop? Now, for those of you who are hearing this for the first time... This has been Man. setting the far right ablaze and the yeah, QAnon yeah. community uh, wild. Mm-hmm. The the story, the al- alleged story, I should say, of this laptop belonging to Hunter Biden, which was left in a shop in Delaware, which is on the East Coast, despite Oddly, the fact...
0: In a Trump-supporting
1: shop. Indeed, in a Trump-supporting repair shop, despite the fact that Hunter lives on the West Coast. And uh, <laughs> on this laptop, the uh, repair shop owner was Mm -hmm. clearly just an unethical SOB and decided to make a copy of the hard drive because he realized it was Hunter Biden's and then, allegedly on said hard drive, found all sorts of terrible shenanigans, including documents alleging corruption in Ukraine and child pornography. and, And now, as Trump raised last night some sort of corruption in china and over the course of the week these allegations have gone from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing the fbi had actually or were actually given this laptop whether it was this one or another one over a year ago yeah and haven't done anything with it because
0: no james i'm reading into this there's nothing prosecutable on it no it wasn't a legitimate story uh it was so hard to sell that it was only only the New York Post or something picked it up.
1: New York Post picked it up and Twitter and Facebook yeah. started banning or rather the, the link that you clicked and it would not take you to the story. Yeah,
0: it wasn't a legitimate or even an ethical report. Um, so it got banned. And of course, banning a thing only makes people know more about it in some instances. And that's what happened here. Correct. Um, as far as we know, this is just another bit of misinformation that of course the right wing with their... Um, very enthusiastic circles, not to try and call them gullible. Very enthusiastic circles picked up that Trump, with his own enthusiasm, picked up that Trump's team with their enthusiasm uh, latched onto, even though there's no real signs that it's genuine. I like would would I be surprised if somebody in Biden's circles and one of his family uh, was was corrupt, was into all sorts of. Uh, Bad things. I wouldn't be surprised, but you've got to find a legitimate story um, to try and make it relevant. But they're just projecting and deflecting everything Trump and his family does. They accuse Biden and his family of doing. Also, Hunter is not running for president. But presidents do get judged based off their families. This is well, of course. Yeah. This is how it's gone down in America for forever. The smallest things in the past used to just used to take out. A uh, candidate from a race, like some, some, I remember the name. Somebody wore a military helmet and he looked a bit goofy, so he lost.
1: One final question just on this point. Do Twitter and Facebook have a role in protecting false, fake stories like this? Because as you say, uh, yeah. banning them actually makes more people aware of the story and will then search it out and, and read it. And from the opposition's perspective, they see that as censorship.
0: Yeah, but I I think with this story it was going to blow up either way. I'm not sure uh, it had any chance of going unseen because it would either blow up specifically within the right-wing circle that is just so eager for things like this to be true, uh, or it would blow up because of the ban. These platforms, they they do what they want. If they want to spread misinformation, they can. Uh, I'm not sure because they currently do not get penalised if they do it. If they want to try and quell some inf- misinformation, they can. As far as I'm aware, I don't understand what Facebook's strategy is because we've been told over the past week and past weeks that uh, they've been spending a lot of money or wasting a lot of resources uh, redirecting people towards right-wing sites, favoring right-wing sites, uh-huh. and um, diminishing left-wing sites. So if even they're deleting this one, it must have been pretty pretty clearly illegitimate.
1: Okay. Two final questions for you, James. The first one was, did you see the story about Rudy Giuliani being Ah. the politician who gets, uh, in his words, honey trapped on the new Borat movie? This is uh, the news that the current personal attorney for Donald Trump and former mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani, is seen in this Borat sequel being led to a hotel room by Borat's I'm using air quotes, daughter, who is 15. Yeah, yeah, Again, yeah. she's not 15, she's in her 20s, she's an actress, but anyway, in this hotel room, which is rigged with cameras, Rudy Giuliani uh, starts untucking his shirt and putting his hand down his trousers. No, no, he just, he untucked his shirt and then tucked it back in. Uh, okay. okay. So
0: he says anyway.
1: So, yeah, yeah. And uh, this is, I believe, on Amazon Prime today. Yeah, I'll be out today. Any yeah. thoughts on this?
0: Um, again, this is something that, if it happened 10 years ago, probably would have ended somebody's political career. Um, but it just feels like some dude agreeing to allow himself to be taken into a private room um, by a reporter is not going to be enough to tank a career. It is going to be enough to swing the headlines and to keep things uh, busy. I don't think he's supposed to actually know how old the supposed interviewer is. That would be real awful. Um, but even from a, even if you take away all the ethics, all the morals, all of the like, come on, you're an old dude, don't do this um, stuff. Just the fact that he has a lot of, uh, or people are people in national security circles would be very interested in Giuliani not being seen in private with people, or not being in private with people that are unknown, yep. so that they, he cannot be. Uh, like blackmailed or anything like that. This is a major weakness. Once again, we're seeing somebody in the upper circles of the uh, Trump org, I guess, showing that they are a, a huge, huge vulnerability um, for national security. Because if Borat uh, or Sasha Cohen and his team can trick Giuliani like this, like, what on earth do you think foreign operatives could do? Much more ease. They, they could do this kind of thing way easier than. Um, Julian and then hold it over his head uh, as a form of blackmail to make him do stuff like blah 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 blah. Um, so we don't actually know the the specifics of the scene yet I, I, I imagine it's worse than the leak uh, says and it really should be enough to tank somebody's career just on the surface level but it also should be enough to tank somebody's career on the level of how do you let this happen when you matter this much on a national level Yep. It's fireable.
1: Okay, one last story before we move on. Did you see, James, that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez live-streamed the game Among Us on her Twitch channel on Tuesday alongside uh, fellow representative Ilhan Omar?
0: Yeah, and and a bunch of (laughs) left-leaning internet personalities.
1: Correct. And uh, she seemed to do pretty well in terms of audience, in terms of reaction, in terms of what people thought, because I believe this will be one of the first occasions of a high-profile politician... Uh, live streaming a game on Twitch. What do you think?
0: One of the one of the first. Yeah, she's she's done a couple. She's been involved in a few streams. We've had a few other politicians involved in a few streams, but this is definitely the biggest moment so far. Yeah, and it just shows that she is a wee bit ahead of the game because she was connecting with an entire entirely massive number of people. Uh, granted, global, um, but getting her goal of telling young people to vote and it's such a hard thing to do to tell young people to vote i saw this getting reported and i think it was in the bbc and they interviewed some professor of like whoever politics and he's like i don't think anybody's minds are going to be changed based off the discussions that are happening and i'm like all she wanted to do was tell people to vote why are we talking about changing minds why are we talking about treating it like a debate how, how, how out of touch? You're just playing a game? Yeah, how out of touch are our pundits and our analysts if they think that she didn't achieve what she wanted to, which was get a big audience with the message "Go vote." Yep, which is all she intended to do. She didn't want to convince Republicans to vote for her. She didn't want to win them over, and she did. She's we don't know the full effect. We'll never, probably never know the full effect, but she probably convinced at least a few of the youth to vote that previously would not have. Well done. and well done to all of these streamers who joined in. They did most of them did a pretty good job of just treating it casually and having fun rather than embarrassing themselves.
1: Nicola Sturgeon has confirmed that Scotland's to enter a new five-level system of coronavirus restrictions. How
0: many tears is on England's cake? Three. How many tears is on Scotland's cake? Five. That is my argument for independent Scotland. I like that you did that first one in
1: a a sing-song way. (laughs) How many tears is on England's cake? (laughs) Three. Three. Anyway, Scotland's cake tier features five measures, starts at level zero. Oh James.
0: The best lists start at zero. Any 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 computer science major will tell you that. Any human with a brain will tell you that.
1: Okay, and it goes up to level four. Whoa. Uh, this is as I'll get to what those means in just a minute. This is as the coronavirus cases in Scotland continue to rise. 1,400 new cases were announced today and a further 18 deaths. The NHS board for Lanarkshire say they're now seeing more people in hospital than at the previous peak of the pandemic in April. Yeah. Which is bad news. Here's the levels for Scotland. Level zero is near normal. Indoor meetings are allowed, maximum eight people from three households, and uh, you can meet people outdoors. But now that we're almost in November, I doubt you'd want to do that. Level one is medium, that means six people from two households can meet indoors and outdoors. Level two is where you are no longer allowed to meet people indoors, but you can still see people in outdoor and in hospitality settings. Uh, Closing pubs indoors will also be happening. Now we get to level three and four, which is the highest ones. Level three is very high, which means closing pubs entirely. Restaurants will be open, but only under strict conditions. And level four is lockdown, which is basically what happened in March, except um, schools will remain open in all levels, at all levels I should say. Yeah. And non essential shops at level four will also be forced to close. Surgeon has said that level four is like a last resort. She does not want to impose a a level (laughs) four. but i suspect when this comes into force next tuesday where we are uh, james glasgow, in glasgow
0: level 4
1: <laughs> glasgow level 4 i would say it's a level 3 no it's not
0: funny it's not funny i you know
1: it's a level 3 for sure and if these numbers continue to rise then james it could it could yeah. well be a level 4 what's it going to keep rising. what do you think of this because obviously england have had some issues which we'll get to in a minute yeah. with imposing these uh, tiers these levels across the country And Sturgeon, to me, has, as has happened a lot over the pandemic, seen what England has done and said, right, that's what they've done. It sounds like a good idea, but they've implemented it badly. How can we make it better and do the same thing? And here's another example of you've copied England's idea, but you've done it more effectively. Because I agree, I don't feel three levels is enough.
0: No, three levels didn't seem like enough. Having more levels, more flexibility, good. I hope that they discuss with the relevant people and businesses how they how they are going to remain funded through the different levels. What kind of okay. things we can offer them to stay open because we've had such an emphasis on trying to support businesses while things by just leaving everybody uh, out of lockdown. That now that the focus is shifting back to lockdowns, we should be supporting businesses so that people don't feel pressured to try and go to the pub anyway. Stuff like that. Um, but again, this is like I said before. This is something that should have been made the plan as soon as we were past the first lockdown. As we right. were exiting the first lockdown, we had the uh, <laughs> the, the tier system for uh, how out of lockdown we are. And we should have had this tier system for what happens when we need lockdowns again. Months ago. So why? Why is it so slow? Why did this take so long? I don't know. The UK government... And uh, each nation has had a terrible break, a terrible summer in terms of planning for the inevitable second wave. Everybody worldwide has been talking about second waves. I don't understand how so many countries, including our own, um, have been caught off guard by a second wave with no plan in place. And we're, we're now that we've got Glasgow at what we're saying, you're predicting level three. Yep. Uh, we're finally hearing about what level zero and level one would have been <laughs> if we had it implemented two months ago. Yeah. You know, this is this is this is disgracefully slow. This is the kind of thing that means that it's these kinds of um, decisions at their timing that leads me to believe that we're going to see party leaders stepping down um, after. Uh, coronavirus wave two passes. Um, if if wave two passes and it looks like a third wave isn't coming, we're going to see people dropping because that they have failed. Nic- Nicola and party have failed by getting this stuff out way so way too late. Because if we're looking at the second wave compared to the first wave, it is so much worse. It is shamefully worse.
1: It is worse, and the numbers are reflecting that. In Scotland in the last week, despite the fact that there has been essentially a two-week lockdown here in Glasgow and there have been tougher restrictions even before that, numbers have gone up by 7%. One in every 180 people in Scotland have had the virus yeah.
0: in the last fortnight. Yeah. That's
1: way too high.
0: And I I, I, I I, can't get my mind around how, because we managed to lock down the first wave when there was a whole bunch of unknowns, a whole bunch of variables, everything wasn't very studied and we've had months of time to know things to prepare and Uh it's getting really scary again lots of people are gonna die again and granted we've got more testing so it's catching more of it maybe the first wave the true impact of it was similar to this but the response to the second one with all this extra testing with all this extra knowledge should have been faster than i don't know i think we've been building up the second wave for more than a month now And after that much time, we're finally getting some idea of what local lockdowns can be and the flexibility. And I know people are getting impatient to be told what to do. And most people support just being told what to do. So it's embarrassing that having a country full of people asking, hey, what do you want us to do? Isn't being told until late in the year.
1: Okay, one final part of the coronavirus story in Scotland. This is Professor Jason Leach, who has been the National Clinical Director for Scotland throughout the pandemic, uh, told BBC Radio Scotland's Good Morning programme this past Thursday that Scots would have to prepare for a digital Christmas. Uh, and yeah. the idea of a normal Christmas was fiction. James, there was a lot of backlash to this from... A number of sites. The first one being opposition parties who sure. accused him of some sort of Dickensian Scrooge prediction of Christmas.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. So that Scrooge was famous for predicting that Christmas wouldn't be wouldn't be going down. <laughs>
1: and then you had people from within the the Scottish government and particularly the SNP who were criticising journalists for what they said was taking his words and phrases out of context, which they didn't. That's literally what
0: he said. That's what he said. It is yeah. what he said. So. What's your stance on all this? Because okay. I have I have my thoughts. If they could just have sued up and said, yeah, actually, probably prepare for virtual Christmas, everybody. I would be 100% in support of that. That would be a strong statement. The absolute truth, because there is no way yes. it is going to be safe for people to have a Christmas. They're just trying to set up this... Uh, unknown so that we can be positive that maybe lockdowns are going to be over soon. But there's only so many of that we can do. We keep being told that, hey, maybe next month we'll be back to normal. Or oh, maybe next month. So it just it's time just to say, no, this isn't going to happen. Yep. Everybody prepare yourself. So instead of finding out two weeks before Christmas that actually, yeah, it is going to be lockdown Christmas and then everybody cancelling whatever plans they made in the hope that they'd be able to do them, we get, we know now and we plan accordingly. And um, But they didn't the dude said it, it was really good. It was very honest. And everybody's going, no, it's not good enough to be honest. You got to you gotta do something different. You got to, I guess, lie to make people think that maybe yep. they should buy a whole bunch of things at Christmas time so that they can prepare themselves for a massive family gathering, you know? So I don't know. Before, you said you had some thoughts. Go, go ahead.
1: I did, right. So I agree largely. I think the first thing I would say is that Jason Leach's word choice of... Normal Christmas being fiction is a a much harsher way of saying, as you say, James, prepare for a digital Christmas, which... Is a realistic way and a much less headline-grabbing way of preparing
0: Scots for yeah, the reality. Yeah. yeah, he could have gotten less trouble if he chose his yeah. words a bit wiser.
1: And then people who are picking holes and, oh, you've taken them out of context, rubbish. They quoted what he said. Yep. That is what he said. Yep. It was a poor choice of words, but that is, as you sh- say, James, the reality of what this Christmas is going to hold. And that sucks. Of course it does. But that is what's going to happen yeah my second thought james is this and we'll know this closer to the time as these various cake tiers work out i don't believe for a second that if certain parts of the country are told you must not meet meet people indoors let's say the current restrictions in glasgow are still in place in, at christmas time and i expect they will be yeah i don't believe for a second that people will nod their head and say you know what that's that's exactly the right thing to do. I'm going to stay at home. Yeah. They're still going to meet up with people. Yeah. And again, put my hand up here. I would find it very difficult to not have some sort of interaction with another person on Christmas Day. And I know that, speaking to someone who had Christmas last year by himself, hey. so I get that. But... I'd just in the nature of who I am I would find that very difficult to do, and so that yeah. I believe is a massive challenge for the whole, for both
0: governments or yeah. governments across the world. How are they going to enforce that? That's one huge reason as to why you've got to come out with with the tough words now, rather than patronizing everybody and maybeing everybody and trying to keep everybody hopeful. Yeah, you got to say it now, so that more people will be prepared to not do these things. If you let everybody have hopes and plans, and then in the last second you try and take them away, far more people are not gonna adhere to the rules. But if you say, these are gonna be the rules, we're not gonna have it, and then it turns out you were wrong and you get to have the Christmas, people are gonna be really happy. Nobody loses if we make the the difficult call now, because if it's right, we did the right thing and prepared well. If it's wrong, everybody's happy that we were wrong. (laughs) I don't understand how we how we've got governments that are so patronizing and 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 don't care about people and and just try to keep this fake optimism going for
1: so long. Okay, let's move down to England in terms of coronavirus headlines of the last week. It's all been kicking off in Greater Manchester because the Indeed. city of Manchester mayor Andy Burnham has had a back and forth with the UK government about what he felt was a very disappointing level of financial support being given to the city Aye. when it was placed at, I want to say, the highest tier. Maybe it was the second tier of... Uh, they, were,
0: they were negotiating how, to, how right. to get into the highest tier.
1: And Boris was saying, hey, if we don't come to agreement, I'm going to essentially make the rules myself and Aye. you're going to have to go along with it. Yeah. And Andy Burnham said, this is ridiculous. We need to get far more money and then we're being offered. Yeah. There were clips of him being shown a £22 million offer live during a press conference, which I believe he derided and said was rubbish. And as this continued to, to roll... Oh, yeah, it was
0: the final offer, yeah. Yeah,
1: as this continued to roll, other politicians and other local leaders were all... Aghast at the fact that the UK government were treating the Manchester with such disdain and such disrespect. I'm <laughs> no, so
0: surprised. <laughs>
1: indeed. Uh, I'm unsure how this actually turned out, James. Okay. I believe there has okay. been some sort of
0: final final offer yeah, yeah. reached or yeah. some sort of financial guarantee come to. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you could call it that. So one thing has happened is there are other regions and other districts, mostly the ones that find themselves in Conservative favour, um, receiving... A greater share per head, basically, whenever they, for, when they've been offered um, support for a bigger lockdown. So, okay, uh, we know for a fact that uh, there is unfair treatment from the get go. The leaders in the Manchester area were saying that they needed. I think they were saying they needed at least seventy-five million. Uh, they could take sixty-five million, and that would work. Um, that's not a lot of money for this government, who have been handing out. Like contracts to their friends worth 200 and something million worth. Correct. uh, Like hundreds of millions, literally billions getting passed out to their friends, which we can assume 10 to 20% of it will be profit. So similar numbers to, to this one thing for a bunch of people in the UK, the government offered 60 million. I would say that offering a 60 million sum says, oh yeah, we recognize that you definitely need at least this much. We'll offer you this much that you definitely need. The Uh folks in Manchester said, that is not enough. We said 65 million would be the, the least we could do. So then the government decided to only offer 22 million. So that just seems like a punishment for not doing what Boris says. If you don't do what Boris says, he will offer inadequate support and condemn people to... Uh, horrible situations, make sure that more people suffer and die in a specific place because the entire region doesn't have the support it needs. When we're talking about sums of money that are lower than what they give out to their friends for setting up a a shady looking PPE supplier company with no trading history, it's shocking.
1: Okay, well similarly linked to that is the school meals fiasco. Oh yeah, and yeah. this is the pressure which is growing on the government to rethink the votes that happened uh, this past week, in which another
0: school meals U-turn?
1: Tories voted against providing free school meals for disadvantaged kids yeah.
0: outside of uh, term term time, including Scottish Tories. Even though in Scotland <laughs> we are offering it.
1: Yes, Scottish <laughs> Toys voted against it. The football player Marcus Rashford, who plays for Manchester United, who had earlier this year forced the government into a U-turn on the free school meal vouchers over the summer holidays, uh, has been spending all of today yeah. retweeting cafes and local authorities and local businesses who are offering to cover the meals or provide the meals that the government is failing to.
0: Hi. James, what do you think about this? Is it surprising in any way that a Tory government who has been in power for as long as they have uh, are more interested in lining the pockets of themselves and their friends than feeding the poorest of the nation.
1: No, that does not surprise me.
0: No, it's not surprising at all. If anybody's surprised, they probably are just waking up from a very long snooze. Uh, Actually, no, because they would have to have not known that the Tory party existed before their snooze. If anybody's surprised, they probably don't know what the Tory party is. Um, Again, we're seeing amounts of money of far greater value uh, than would be needed to support, like very impoverished children, while they are on a school break, being dished out left and right to anybody who opens their hand and says, "I'm your friend." The Tory Party. Um, this this stuff should be simple. Do the kids need food? Yes. Do all the families live in poverty and therefore they cannot easily replace the free school meals with home meals? Yes. Should we support them? Yes. Easy as but instead we're seeing what is pure evil, what is pure corruption, uh, uh, uncaring, this exactly standard that we expect to see, Um, they probably will U-turn because there's a lot of pressure. It's really good to see so many businesses and authorities trying to step up to uh, offer a substitute for a failure of the government, but hopefully they won't need to because the government will realize, hey, actually, maybe we should have a little bit of kindness in our hearts. You know, the whole Scrooge thing, that they that they are accusing everybody of very often. They should they should do read into their own analogies. Did you see the one dunce of an MP who told that Rashford that he had the power that the MP didn't because Rashford has more Twitter followers? What? Yeah, yeah. One of our MPs they tweeted they were they were <laughs> subtweeting or retweeting and they were like, "You're the one with the power here because you've got this many followers on Twitter and I don't." I, and that's the difference here. How? that that is that is the tory party summed up they don't have qualifications <laughs> at this point all they are are bootlickers who get their get their job based off their willingness to believe what somebody else tells them to
1: James, let's talk entertainment. Got a couple of pieces of news, but also I have right. a movie I have seen this week, which I believe will be some Oscar bait. Have you seen anything? Uh, I haven't finished anything. Okay, well, I will tell you about mine then. This is The Trial of the Chicago 7, yeah. which is the new Aaron Sorkin movie, which is on Netflix. Aaron Sorkin. Of course, of course. Who is probably best known for the social network. Yeah. And uh, has done other things which are very good. He has a he has a distinctive style of writing and directing. His scripting is very sharp. What I would say, James, is that The Trial of Chicago 7 is a good movie. Mm-hmm. It is nowhere near any sort of best of all time. It's certainly not Sorkin's best work, right. but it tells the true story with uh, some embellishments of this infamous trial in the 60s in Chicago where uh, lots of protesters from different backgrounds had gathered and then had a big fight against the police. And the trial is about, did the police start the riots or did the demonstrators? (laughs) This is... A cast yeah. which has again a ridiculous amount of star-studded names. You've got the likes of Eddie Redmayne, Mark Rylance, Sasha <laughs> Baron Cohen, <Okay. laughs> Jeremy Strong, Frank Langella, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and a host of wow. others of yeah. supporting characters. People you'd recognise and you'd have seen them in everything. So yeah. it, it it has everything you need for an Oscar bait movie, a true story. Uh, fantastic supporting and lead cast, good performances, excellent scripting, really nicely edited and tied together. Aaron Sorkin does this thing where multiple people are telling a story, mm-hmm. and he chops between characters and situations and times to tell that story. Ah. It's very, it's very interesting when you're watching it. You can really appreciate it because this is, as the title suggests, essentially a courtroom drama.
0: Yeah, and yeah, if yeah. it was going
1: to be. Two hours of all these guys in a room, it would have been very, very dull. So he finds ways to make it much more interesting.
0: Yeah. I think we've talked about that before, how with courtroom dramas and some of those more established and especially established Oscar bait genres, people need to find new ways to do them. Yep. So that's cool to see that there's still one that feels fresh.
1: What I would say is that the end of the movie feels very anticlimactic. It just sort of ends okay. and, f- and fades out. And then we have, you know, clearly skipped forward three months in time to uh, the judge handing down sentences.
0: Yeah, yeah. That is a bit of a bit of a trouble (laughs) in these films is that the drama happens. Then there's always a big pause in real life that you have to kind of just gloss over. Uh, I
1: get this is a true story and people know how it turned out. Well, I certainly didn't. It was news to me. And then, of course, they finish with the, you know, captions about what really happened to these characters in later life. All oh, right, Yeah, yeah. The freeze frameies. Yeah, of course. Yeah, freeze frame with the, the captions at the end. So what I would say is if you are interested in seeing something which will undoubtedly get some Oscar nominations this year, then The Trial of Chicago 7 is a film for you. Hey. But is it something I would go out of my way to see? No. Okay. So that's where I'd leave it. Depends what your interest is. If you like courtroom dramas, you like things being done a little bit differently, then yeah, you could do worse. It's Aaron Sorkin. It's a great cast.
0: Good fun. Yeah. All right. And also, Sasha Baron Cohen can act. Oh, I mean, the best The best funny people can act. I can't act, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can do neither. Uh, myself and Graham also rewatched Game Night. No, this was the first time he'd seen it. Second time I'd seen it, and right. this is one. I, again, I would say is a good time, and because it's a, mm. a essentially a, a comedy action movie with the likes of Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. Yeah, uh, again, great cast, really, really good fun. If you've not seen it, it is the kind of movie which you can stick on in the background, and it is genuinely funny. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of laugh out loud moments, and the the good lines are consistent the humor is consistent so it's little and often there it's not like they're building up to some big payoff
0: it's right, right, right. regular.
1: it's regularly funny and it's regularly enjoyable yeah yeah and they've teased a, a sequel as well so Ooh. yeah if you're looking for uh, something 90 minutes which you can laugh along with On a Friday night, then then
0: Game Night is the one for you. Good, good. Good to have some some shorter options in the whole film department these days.
1: Okay, a couple of bits of movie news. The first one I'm going to is... We've not talked about DC in a long time, James, so here's a chance to let off some steam. Man, I think I mentioned Swamp Thing recently. (laughs) Okay. Within the last year. Besides (laughs) that, this is the news that Justice League, which was the 2016 DC movie Ah, uh, smorgasbord with the likes of... Superman and Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and the Flash—all in the same movie. Also, Cyborg, uh, Cyborg as well. Forgot about him.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: Cyborg exists. This movie came out. It was relevant a character. Total mess. Uh-huh. And uh, fans have long been clamoring for what they're calling the Zack Snyder director's, director's cut. Yeah. Now, this is the reported rumor that Zack Snyder's original cut was something closer to four hours long.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And this, again, four years have passed, so I'm sure they've had time to improve the CGI. The news this week, James, <laughs> yeah. is that Jared Leto's that. Joker, who he played oh, no. in Suicide Squad, which was oh, panned, no. as was his performance, yeah. is returning for reshoots for this oh, no. 2016 movie, which is being oh. repurposed
0: as a four-part miniseries for HBO. I don't even know where to start with this. I actually, to be to be honest, I am not surprised about the four-part mini-series thing. Why? Because we've talked about it. Um, how loads of big film studios and loads of big production uh, houses are trying to figure out how to do uh, streaming stuff while the film okay. stuff isn't working. So, fair point. It makes sense to try and do a. A redo of something that is established—you've already got almost all the material for. It. You just have to re- rework it a wee bit, get a re-release, try and get an audience. And DC are trying to build up their streaming stuff. They are—they've got a lot of IPs out for uh, TV shows. So they do. Uh, it's not surprising that they think, "Hey, let's do this one too." While we're at it, uh, do we need any extra uh, Leto Joker? Uh, never. <laughs> Never would be ideal unless the reshoot was them bringing him on just so that he can like stumble off a building or something, uh, so yeah, they can kill him off. Yeah, I'd approve of that. And then like a good actual Joker character walks on and goes, "Ha! I got you." Human characters are watching the film. I got you all. You thought you thought that was a serious Joker. I'm the serious Joker.
1: To be clear, James, this film does end up with, as you would expect from a big Marvel, sorry, not Marvel, big <laughs> DC mashup, from any superhero mashup movie, ends with an alien yeah, and yeah, yeah. fighting big an CGI alien invading fight. force. Whereas Joker is very much, as has been the
0: case in every single He's a movie, little rascal.
1: He is just a crime dude on the streets. He's not some oh, sort he's of... He's just a
0: little terrorist <laughs> rascal who commits mass terrorism. So how
1: he fits into this is the only piece of intrigue remaining because he is not in the original movie. He does not fit in the original movie. So where on earth they're going to sandwich him in and how, I've no idea. But It's the B-plot.
0: They're adding a B-plot that isn't actually impactful. Potentially. If there's another way to get
1: more people to go and watch this again in a repurposed format, okay, fine. I just think it's bizarre.
0: We might see more of this if it's successful. We might see more... Film to mini series uh, readaptions.
1: Okay, time is ticking down, but uh, one more piece of news. This is actor Jeff Bridges, who has uh, come out to say that he is being treated for lymphoma. He is yeah seventy now, and he was channeling his dude character from The Big Lebowski really in his was, statement yeah. he posted on social media. Um, so this again. Bad news for uh, somebody
0: famous, James. Yeah, again, uh, it's, it's tough news. This is this would be sad. Anybody that you would know that gets this kind of news, it's rough um, for him. It seems like they've caught it early, so it looks like treatment is likely going to be a success. He's talking more about his journey to uh, recovery rather than his final days. So uh, good that they caught it early. Sucks for anybody to get this kind of news. Um, we can hope that. I mean, like he he's a legend for a reason. So we can yeah. hope that we get some more time with such a such a guy producing things. He has had uh, um,
1: seven Oscar nominations, and his most recent one came with his role in Hell or High Water, which is yeah, yeah. terrific.
0: If you've ever yeah if you've if you've yet to see it yeah, and uh, he, he kind of is really weird because he's got this cult cult following from one of his films, which doesn't feel so serious. It doesn't feel so um um impactful but it did and it's probably because he managed to do a bit of a goofy character in such a convincing and such a real way that it has become the thing he's known for even if he also can do all these insanely uh, deep and insanely uh, uh, weighty performances as well
1: Okay, James, we are running out of time, so we've got four stories left. I'm going to start and end with elections happening across the world. Ah. The first one I'm going to is in Bolivia. Now, you'll right. have to fill in some of the gaps here. But okay. to me, this is the news that a year after the Bolivian president, Evo Morales, was ousted in a military coup yeah. that installed a far-right regime.
0: Pretty brutal far-right regime unsurprisingly.
1: An ally of Morales, Luis Arce has declared victory in the nation's high-stakes presidential election and uh, he, from exile in Argentina, said that democracy has won. James, any further information you could fill in the gaps here? Because to me, this seems like a very messy situation.
0: Well, it is messy and it's messy because uh, of America and America's allies and all that usual stuff. They didn't like the leadership of a country, so they uh tried to make a coup happen and they were successful like soft they this they were just hinting softly relatively softly that the uh the previous vote was illegitimate and therefore the coup was restoring democracy to a country um and now democracy actually has been restored because there's been a proper vote again just like the other one was and it's got a clear winner again uh the only worry is that we've got the leader back in. They're not going to just do what America wants them to, which is basically, uh, I think for Bolivia, America wants access, cheap access to their lithium mines. I think that was one of the big things. Uh, Elon Musk um, saying that America can coup whoever they want. Yeah, basically. Um, e- Elon keen on the coups um, in this instance. So the worry is that we'll see it again. We'll see uh, all of our imperialist Western countries saying one more time that uh, oh look the vote was illegitimate because we say it was you guys should coup again so that we can get your resources more cheaply please and um, as we see across history for i don't know how many years this has been going on time. whenever there's a government installed that the americans or the british or the something don't quite like because they're not giving us stuff for cheap we just replace them and um, so i'm worried that we'll try it again i hope we don't because these countries deserve to have their own say in their own democracy and uh, their own vote and not be sabotaged by external powers.
1: On to the next story and a follow up to the Panama Papers data leak Germany has issued international arrest warrants for the two founders
0: of the firm at the centre of the tax haven scandal yeah that is this is probably thanks to the renewed pressure from Netflix's pretty recent film about them
1: yes this is the Mossack Fonseca founders uh, Jurgen Mossack and Ramon Fonseca who were suspected
0: of tax evasion and associating with criminals Uh, they'll be
1: arrested if they enter the EU according to a German yeah. newspaper. I don't
0: think we can actually give any credit to Meryl Streep, and to who I think was... I think it was, think Gold, was Gary Oldman. Gold, Gary Oldman and someone else. I don't think they get any credit. I think what's happened is it's Antonio just, Banderas. It takes time. These processes take time. We've talked a lot about how the Panama Papers come out and not many things happened. Some, some um, members of parliament here and there got removed. Um, but now we're seeing the hard work of a bunch of... Uh, typewriters uh, <laughs> coming into effect. We've got an arrest warrant out. If they enter the EU, they get arrested. They've also got some pressure mounting in the US. So the idea isn't to actually arrest right. them. The idea is to get them in uh, so that they do plea bargains and they give the names out of, a, of their clients, basically. Whoever or They give the information needed to get other people. Uh, well, the two jail. of them hold uh,
1: Panamanian passports and they're currently there and the country has no extradition yeah. treaties, so they could well just stay there for the rest of their lives.
0: So long as they do just stay there for the rest of their lives, they should be pretty pretty set. Um, I doubt there's going to be any forced extractions made because, you know, this is, uh, this is on the business end of the world, not the, I guess, left-wing government end of the world. Um, but they're going to have to live in a little bit more fear, um, and maybe the idea of the arrest warrant will be enough to make them want to 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 turn themselves in and find a plea agreement that will give them a freedom of movement in the world again.
1: Okay, two more stories then. This penultimate one is from Paris. There were massive protests earlier this week uh, with people showing signs saying, Je suis Samuel. And this was after the history teacher... Colt Samuel, was stabbed and decapitated in front of a school in a suspected terror attack near Paris. The victim had allegedly shown caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad to his students during a lesson earlier this month. James?
0: Yeah, it was a lesson on freedom of expression. Uh, He uh, supposedly, um, according to the the papers, uh, warned Muslim pupils within the class to uh, they could leave because there would be some... Uh, material in this lecture that um, would offend them because it is depictions of the of the prophet, and that's not allowed in the religion. Uh-huh. Um, and that word got out that he did this. One of the pupils didn't leave, uh, told their parents about the the lesson. The parents complained on Facebook about the lesson. Somebody saw that and decided that the teacher deserved death. Yeah, uh, it's disgusting. Um, I think I think this was a teacher who did a pretty good job. At, Um, giving people the warnings they needed to remove themselves from a potentially uh, difficult situation. Somebody didn't. Um, And uh, everything's escalated from there in ways that are less and less surprising, but we can only hope the response is an idea that we do need more education and intolerance, not more... No, sorry. We do need more (coughs) education on intolerance. There we go. um, (laughs) And that we need more... uh, tolerant societies, not just uh, uh, like France accepting immigrants and not just France accepting uh, asylum seekers, but that uh, the tolerance has to be in a, uh, both directions, uh, which needs a lot of funding. It turns out it takes a lot of effort uh, to to teach people who have been indoctrinated into different beliefs or different faiths. Um, how it takes a lot to, to de-radicalize. So Hopefully, the response from all these protests will be a drive towards more funding towards de-radicalization, towards uh, education and all these things. Because uh, these people are radicalized uh, in... uh, Sorry, people are radicalized in vulnerable situations usually. It's not people in power that become radicals. It is people who have been in wars. It is people who have been in in poverty. It is people who have no... Direction for their anger, um, so our goal should be to find the heads of those of those movements that are sowing this poison across the world, and you know take care of them, but to de-radicalize all the people they've affected. Um, but this kind of attack is awful, awful.
1: Very quickly, in probably the only bright spark in the last week in terms of news, this is Jacinda Ardern winning a second term in office after her rival conceded in the country's general election. So this, I believe, is the first time in 27 years that a party in New Zealand politics has won an outright majority. All right, yeah. Uh, the yeah. 40-year-old has been praised uh, across the world for her handling of the coronavirus pandemic and uh, gave a great speech when she was accepting her her victory yeah. for a second term.
0: Yeah, so their voting system is pretty similar to what we've got in Scotland where there is some redistribution of the extra seats to the, to the weaker parties. So yep. it becomes very improbable for one party to get a majority. But they did it. And of course, it's due to one of the most successful um, pandemic responses um, in the... I guess people say developed world when they're trying to include uh, New Zealand and whatnot in a in a sphere. Um, I it doesn't. I don't feel surprised. The opposition. I'm I'm surprised the opposition got thirty ish percent of the of the of the vote. Um, because how do you challenge somebody who's handled the virus very well, who's showing that they are handling the recovery well so far from um, all the lockdowns and whatnot news uh, success news. Success has led to um, re-election.
1: Yeah, there's currently no community spread of COVID-19 in New Zealand, yeah. which has 5 million people, and people are no longer required to wear masks or socially distance. How about that, James?
0: No, they, they're having like tea and cakes on the campaign trail. They've had stadiums open and packed out for sporting events. Yep. Um, meanwhile, we're all complaining that we can't do these things, but it's because of incompetence in our governments. So come on. Let's look at the people who Welcome well. to the cake tiers. Yeah, man. We've got different cake over here. Okay, James, that
1: brings us to the end of the show. We have crashed through the hour barrier again. Thank you for your time. Oh yeah. And I will see you and every single one of you still listening oh, next yeah, thank
0: week. You thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to that whole thing. My voice is a bit gone. I ranted too Get, much. Have another pie. Um, yeah, I'll go eat a... I'll have a different pie this time. <laughs> okay, bye. Or Pie. Bye. Or pie. Oh wait, yeah, pie.